Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. monster the Japanese call Godzilla has just walked out of Tokyo Bay. We begin the attack on Earth now. We persuaded the thing to help you with what little power it has left. Godzilla now reigns supreme and will, in all probability, continue his march towards Tokyo, destroying everything in his path as they go. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Why hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle and this is the second episode for March 2013 and the Daikaiju discussion episode for a film from 1957 called The Mysterians. And uh, sitting with me here in the studio, we have uh, returning to us from... I think you were here last during one of the Mothra discussions, Adam Alexander from the Monster Project. Hey, how's it going? And Mr. Jeff Dean. Hello. And Mr. Martin Vavra. Hey there. And uh, we are going to watch the movie in just a minute. And of course, we have some other things to talk about as well as the film itself. And uh, we did, of course, get some requests in for uh, for this episode, starting with uh, the intro title credits to Godzilla's Revenge by Kunio Miyauchi for, uh, let's see, who's that for? Oh, that's right, Charlie and Bug.
ことをやめたりしない」「自分のことを責めたりしない」「出会う時も別れる時も本当のことを見つめていたい」「夢見ることをやめたりしない」「自分のことを責めたりしない」目覚める時も眠る時も明日のことを信じていたい
music gets quieter. And that was, uh, um, let's see, let's go in order. We started things off uh, for uh, with a request for Charlie and Bug for Godzilla's Revenge opening titles. And then moved on to Sky by Ulfels from Gamera to Advent of Legion. That was for Danny. And uh, then the next track was for Benjamin. That was uh, Godzilla vs. Kumonga and Kamakaris by Daisuke Yano from Godzilla Final Wars. And then the last song we played was, of course, from Akira Fukube, and that is called The Alpha and the Beta, and it is from tonight's Daikaiju Discussion film, which is The Mysterians. And once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju Discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, guaranteeing that the podcast is just going to keep going for a long, long time. Uh, this month is the 1957 Toho Spectacular, The Mysterians, and now this movie almost doesn't count as a kaiju flick, um, but thanks to Tomoyuki Tanaka and a giant robot named Mogura, we get to talk about this gem of a film. It was released in Japan on December 28, 1957 as Chikyu Boigun, which translates to Earth Defense Force, and made its way to theaters in the U.S. thanks to MGM, who produced one of the most memorable trailers ever, in my opinion. Um... I'm not going to play it because I played it recently. But uh, Martin and Jeff and Adam and I are going to go watch the movie right now. We'll come back and talk about it in just a second. And we just finished watching The Mysterians. And uh, what do you guys think? Wait, first off, who had seen this in its entirety? That would be me. Jeff is nodding. I don't think I have seen this entire thing. And there are some parts that I just don't think I either. I, I have not seen them or I did not remember them at all. Right. So right. I'm going to say I did not see this film in its entirety before. Okay. Truth is good. Yes. And then Martin, you had never seen. I this. have not. And I've never even seen any images or anything from this. All that was new. Right. And then I was uh, aware the movie existed. Right. Adam, you, but you had you seen clips or anything from it before? No. Ah, wow, crazy. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, this is a good place to kick off. Like Adam, what were your initial thoughts of the of the film? Uh, I liked it surprisingly much. Uh, I had low expectations because one, it had no Godzillas in it at all. And it really didn't have much in the way of giant monsters stomping around, which is, frankly, the main reason I watch the majority of kaiju films. But uh, but I was interested in the fact that Ifuku Bay was doing the soundtrack uh, is always a plus. That said, maybe it was... I, I noticed really early on that the special effects and the production value of the movie as a whole were much higher than what I expected, or at least much higher than what I had come to expect from the Toho movies from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Um, which I had inquired, like, you know, this is only three years after Godzilla was made, and, and you had mentioned that uh, they weren't yet competing with television, so there was a, 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 a larger production budget and more investment in making the film. So right off the bat, I was impressed by the, the quality of the special effects. Of course, dated um 60 years earlier but nonetheless like i was still impressed by the quality of the special effects uh, of the of the cinematography of of the 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 general script and pacing of the film it didn't feel like the uh, the utter filler that a lot of 
later movies, especially Japanese uh, sci-fi movies, sometimes can tend to feel like. Um, I enjoyed it quite a lot more than I expected, even though uh, there wasn't too much in the way of like giant monster action. That, that is very true. Well, that's good to know. Martin, initial thoughts on the film. Feel free to just flip that coin. It's right on the other side. If if you if you need to, I yeah I think that's that's probably the best way to put it. I will flip that coin. Consider the coin flipped. I won't uh, <laughs> won't expand on my. No, go yeah, ahead. Okay. Expand on it. Like, yeah. You, so was, you didn't enjoy it very much. I did not. I didn't. I found myself excruciatingly bored through this movie. I just thought that its pacing was so so terrible and like i i totally get the whole thing with the the time that it was made and the special effects i give it full marks for that because you can only have you know so much budget it's not hollywood um you know they're creating anything they can on there i totally get that so i don't rate it against those things but man i was just like the the story on this thing and yeah i i just i got overwhelmingly bored okay so just real quick uh compare your interest level to watching rodan last month mm-hmm. and what which one was more in, interesting because you you rodan really okay mm-hmm. all right good to know jeff initial thoughts well i think it's good that i'm going in between adam and martin because i'm kind of like somewhere in the middle there's a lot of things I enjoyed about the film, um, primarily like Adam had mentioned, the special effects I think are, are really well done, um, and the cinematography is good, I like the score quite a bit, um, but I agree with Martin in the fact that it's a little slowly paced and just a little kind of lackluster. Mm. Um, I kind of thought like, you know, when Mogura shows up towards the beginning, um, you know, it's pretty exciting and it kind of like almost sets you up for something that doesn't really deliver later on. Oh, okay. So, you know, so when uh, Mogura shows up and then is so easily dispatched and then they don't continue yeah. that excitement. <laughs> he shows up for that brief second, you know, at the end, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and the Mysterians themselves are just a little kind of, you know, weak, I think. Okay. A, as right. a, um, as an alien species, just because you know the special effects look pretty good, um, actually very well done, but you know the costumes and the just the overall Mysterian's presence was just you know weak, lackluster. Okay. And it's all fair, not I, dynamic. Everything you guys are saying are they're all valid points, and I gotta say. Uh, the reason I expected the coin flip, not just from the, the one comment that you mentioned that was like, as I was coming back up the stairs, is that, uh, the, the reaction from the listeners, which we'll hear in, in a little while, was very similar. Very similar things were said. And I guess what I should do is I should probably throw in my initial thoughts. Um, I had seen this film uh, back when I moved to Portland and I started like, gorging myself on uh, tokusatsu films that were available for rental at movie madness and so this film was one of the ones that i saw sort of i you know i saw it earlier than like war of the gargantuas but later than all of the godzilla movies i think once i had finished seeing every single godzilla film that's when i was like hmm okay now i'm gonna start moving into the other toho stuff and i knew about the mysterians and i was very 
interested in seeing the deal with Mogura, which is how I really know about uh, about this film. And uh, I remember liking it. I remember thing liking certain things about it more than others. And now uh, I know I saw it again sometime in between uh, when it came out on DVD from a bootlegger, and now then it was released on. DVD from Media Blasters, which is who we saw the version tonight from. So it's the first time I'd ever seen it on a big screen. Um, actually, they did show it at G-Fest in 2009. And um, it was late. It was after a long day. So I had every every right to fall asleep during it. But um, <laughs> I will uh, I will say that uh, seeing it here on the big screen and, and being awake through the whole thing, I guess saw a lot more of it than I think I saw before. And... Um, some of that was bad, some of that was good, but there are still things about this film that I really enjoy. Uh, there's actually, I get, I, I, t- I tend to get some of the, the Toho space epics, like Battle in Outer Space and Gorath and, uh, and this movie, The Mysterians, a little mixed up as far as the human drama goes. So I was actually very pleasantly surprised when, um, all of a sudden they were building the Markalite and, um, and uh, oh, now we're going into the final battle because I already knew that was coming. It was the final battle. So I'd say overall, I'm still pleased with the film. I enjoy it, especially especially for the special effects. I mean, that's pretty much tantamount to everything else. It's just the miniature work and the the set designs and the character, not the character designs, but the the mecha designs and stuff. Just, I love it. Totally awesome. Uh, but enough about me and what i'm thinking so like who wants to go first with what you let's start with what you didn't like about the film and aside from just something large like pacing like were there very specific things that you just said well this is not my not bad there's so so many places i i know i didn't check out this many times there were so many times in there where there was something happening and i'm like what is what is happening why are we seeing this i'm thoroughly confused as to what i mean that's kind of where i started checking out on things because there mm. were there were just places where i swear it's like they had a chunk of footage and they threw it in there there would be you know four or five seconds of something going on i'm like this we haven't seen any of this why is that there you mean like what just uh, there was a uh, one piece that felt out of sequence, uh, and it was the they were it was uh, Alpha and Beta are doing the big circling, okay. and uh, and uh, they started unleashing a bunch of their weapons and doing all that, and then they go to a, a shot with these guys in the bunker, and the bunkers coming down, and the and the ceiling of the bunker is falling in. One guy actually goes down, and I'm like, wait a minute, they're nowhere near any of this firing that's going on why are why is this shot and it's one shot there's only the one shot we never see that ever again but there's one shot of these guys and it's the japanese defense force in a bunker getting bombed while the bad guys base is being hit by alpha and beta it just it was a, I, I don't know where that shot came from we never went back to it yeah well i think they couldn't go back to it because the bunker got destroyed but i i would imagine that would be where you know the bombs were being dropped and Maybe they were more powerful. I don't know. It's, I, I'm not going to make excuses for, for the film uh, like I normally do. The, uh, this movie is so... This is the first time that Toho made a, a big giant you know, space, in, or space Invaders movie. And uh, you know the previous 
tokusatsu film was Rodan. The previous one from that was Godzilla Raids Again. The one before that, of course, was the original Godzilla. So I, I, I do give them a little bit more leeway as far as like learning the tricks of the trade, not just in special effects, but in storytelling as well. Um, but that's that makes total sense. What, what about you, Jeff? What, what, I oh, wanted, what, what was the motivation of the guy that uh, the doctor that that went over to the Mysterian side? Oh, uh, that is something you see in several films, not just Japanese ones, but it's like someone who is basically in uh, a scientist who is enticed and enthralled by the the massive amount of uh, like technological technological advancement that these these people have. Yeah, but they they just never really played that or showed that they 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 never did that it was just kind of a, a done deal we didn't get to explore that character at all he just was conveniently i'm going to respectfully disagree with that statement yeah. just because i mean he wrote the paper and it was half finished and it was i thought it was pretty obvious that he the reason it was half finished was because he was like oh the mysterians are here i need to find a way to get in with them so he got in with them in order to learn more about them which is why he uh you know i'm not saying that the entire movie was a plot device for him to finish his term paper but uh it's <laughs> kind of what it seems like because he hands he hands that over he to hands it off, yeah. Kenji Zahara's character yeah uh but i mean that's i didn't have a problem with that i mean i only, I think only because I've seen it before in, in other films. Well, in addition, they do at one point say, hey, you're a traitor. And he says, no, this is just being practical. Um, I'm, I'm just, as a scientist, I can't help but say that they have technological superiority. They will wipe us out if we challenge them. The best thing to do here is to, you know, be pragmatic and peacefully uh concede their relatively small demands yeah so and they also i mean they have that scene where he's on the tv and he's like saying that if they're if if earth declares war on the mysterians earth won't win the mysterians won't win or so he says science must win i think is what he's talking about so like that's akihiko harada's character was all about science you know that's the toppest thing for him (laughs) It's very deep. <laughs> anyway, Jeff, what about you? Anything about this film? Like, what was the most strikingly negative thing you thought about this movie? Um, I think, th- for me, probably just the pacing was a little slow. And I wanted, it, it left me wanting a little bit more. Like, this film felt to me like it was maybe highly influenced by American alien invasion movies of the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Like, Mars Needs Women. And I kind of wanted, give me more of that plot. You know, um, and it really just seemed like the whole Mogura thing was kind of thrown in there, like maybe like we need a giant monster in here. Oh, well, that definitely happened. I mean, Tomoyuki you know? Tanaka was the one that said we need a monster in this. Yeah, but I really wanted it just kind of left me wanting a little bit more, um, like a little bit more of the whole plot, like with the aliens wanting, you know, the American women because, you know, the mutation, you know, they can't or like what is that? What did he say? 80 percent of his. Of the population was oh yeah that's abnormal or, yeah yeah abnormal or something 80, like that. eighty percent of their children came were born mutated and horribly disfigured I would imagine so and then yeah. destroyed yep and they yeah yep kicked it to the curb 
Yeah, I just thought, you know, there's like the potential was there for something a little bit bigger and better. So would you would you have felt a little uh stronger about uh, in a positive way about the film and the storyline if maybe the Mysterians were more of a threat as themselves like yeah, if they were well, more horrible or horrifying. Yeah, they just seemed kind of like, you know, like they wanted peace, but then, you know, they wanted the women and they ended up kidnapping, you know, the women. Yeah. But it just seemed very like they they weren't very menacing or very threatening. And plus we never were like just un- kind of unsatisfying for a villain, I guess you 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 know, for an alien species that was supposed to be the uh the villain of the piece. Adam um, Lay down some negativity on this movie. Well, I, I have uh, some some couched negativity, which is to say that, first off, everything negative that has been cited about this movie thus far is largely correct. That you're not, you guys aren't wrong about pacing, about um, some things that are nonsensical, about being somewhat lulled to sleep. Even this this is all very true. But I came into this with the lowest of expectations. And which is frankly what I do with pretty much every kaiju movie. You know, I, I get a couple beers, I come into it, think to myself, and now to turn off my brain and be mindlessly entertained. And so, so with that low expectation, I was, that's when I was pleasantly surprised. This is not a movie I would own. This is not a movie I can see rewatching again anytime in the next like 10 or 15 years wherein I'll remember it at all. But, for just having not seen it before, having come into it with, you know, um, without being expected to be wild, just to, just to be entertained, it exceeded my expectations. It, this is a movie that I would recommend to fans of classic Japanese cinema or to kaiju fans and to say, you know, sure, pop it in at some point. Um, you right, know, right. Don't expect to be blown away, but you, you'll get above average special effects. You'll get like a lot of explosions and a lot of like, you know, laser rays and things like that. Don't try and follow and say, when did Alpha come in versus Beta and who's blowing up who now? Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, exactly why does, oh, and because that's what we're not mentioning. The Mysterians actually mention that they are from Mars and need women. So Mars needs women is a literal plot device in this yes. movie. <laughs> Um, why, why is that only mentioned in, in terms of just kind of kidnapping a couple of, oh, and, and they specifically want the scientist girlfriends who they have photos of in a creepy stalkerish fashion. Yeah, that was just, I can't, I can't say anything about that. Conveniently creepy. (laughs) Martin, if that had been your main point, be like, it's so weird that they had like the photos of them from... Then it happened to be the main character's girlfriends. I'd be all like, the women the I was, yeah, I'd I was be like, worried why they, it was uh, planet okay. number five. It was like, well, what are the other four? You just, you guys just numbering things? They no, were that's the, like Monster Zero, Monster Zero One, Monster Zero Two. Um, but so with that said, I mean, I'm not praising the movie. I'm saying that, like, as as a newbie who is a fan of the genre, I I enjoyed it quite a lot more than I expected. I recommend it as a casual viewing, uh, so long as one doesn't invest too terribly much in the way of like high hopes or being hypercritical about it. I, I can be an extremely hypercritical film goer. In fact, I am, I am an extremely hypercritical film, but I know when to shut that off. And this is a great movie that if you can shut that off, I enjoyed it. My biggest complaint about this film has to do with the ending, because there's this insane amount of uh 
build up with explosions and you know the war is happening and and then when everyone when we finally beat them it's almost like did we just beat them are we happy should we be happy i mean in the first godzilla movie and then in rodan you also get the sort of same uh sadness that you know both of those movies sort of share that yes we beat the monsters but uh we have there's this sort of like uh it's definitely not an awesome thing nobody's like yay we beat the monster no parties are going off you know it's it's a somber note to end the film on and i was either expecting an elated note or a somber note for this film and it's just sort of falls kind of flat the way that it ends like there's no there's no huzzah and the only thing you're left with is um is kenji sahara's character basically saying you know hey don't use science the wrong way and that was that was unfortunately the last thing you see in the movie i thought that was really kind of unfortunate because i really like the, i really love the effects i really love the uh like i said the the set design and the ship designs and the the explosions and i love the alpha and the beta and the markalites and all of that stuff is just aces in my book but but for to just end with the couple of mysterians flying off into this into space and the alpha chasing after a couple of them and blowing up a few of them and then letting the rest go it's just kind of a lackluster ending for me but uh i think we should move on to things that you really did like let's get positive now should I should I come back to you, Martin? There was a shot something? that I loved in this movie. Okay, cool. It was amazing. So the tanks are all lined up there. They're bombing the Mysterians, uh, you know, screw on base top. And uh, so the tanks are getting melted. But that one tank breaks ranks and starts going for it. That guy's just like trucking out there. And I'm like, how is they're not doing anything about it? I don't know. But that guy gets up there really close. But then the ground starts to give way and you can oh, see yeah. the tank start to go and it starts to spin <laughs> and they show it from a couple of angles and the ground is all starting to pull itself in and it's taking the tank. And they actually, did you see the guy that they eject yeah. out of the that. top of that? Yeah, that yeah. little marionette thing that actually yeah. was kind of animated a bit and they had the sound effect with this guy like shooting out of there and him screaming and trying to grab the side and I was like, that was gutsy. That was awesome. <laughs> you guys, I like, I'd sit there and watch that <laughs> a couple of times. Okay. I thought that was great. So on that same note, just, uh, that was, that was definitely not a real person. That was obviously a marionette or some sort of puppet that they used, which I agree they did a pretty good job of, of that. It looked a little weird, but it, it also looked a little realistic at the same point. <laughs> the same thing, I felt the same way when, uh, the Mysterian shock troopers were grabbing the women and they were like, flying up into the the floating up into the spaceships mm -hmm. i was like i can't tell if i'm looking at a composited shot of actual people like being hoisted up into the air or if that's just like little tiny people being like raised i was trying to tell that spaceship. too there was because there was a i thought those were uh like marionettes but then there's a spot where one like raises its arm and does yeah, something. I'm yeah. like whoa i think that's a guy on a crane yeah. <laughs> no, i think i assumed it was people because of the somewhat awkward way they were dangling their feet and 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 themselves. They obviously were like, "I'm trying to look somewhat dignified while on wires." Yeah. <laughs> At least their feet weren't just flat. It's yeah, like, really <laughs> flexed foot. Anyway, 
uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. That's I, that was actually very enjoyable, and I really loved the fact that the the ground was sort of doing a whirlpool. Yeah, like absolutely. Cool. It was a dirt whirlpool. Dirt whirlpool. Wow. Let's think of a better name for that later. But it's cool. <laughs> dirt pool. <laughs> dirt pool. What about you, Jeff? Um, well, I think the things were, you guys just mentioned the uh, the special effects. Also, at the beginning, with um, you know the village when it was sucked into the earth, crumbled mm-hmm. down, was like really yeah. well done. The miniatures, um, yeah, and I think that's by far the you know the production values are are the high point for me uh, of this film. I just wish the the script was maybe a little bit more dynamic to take advantage of all you know because it had, like we mentioned, all the fantastic production values. Yeah. So how about you, Adam? Name one thing of this film that just you, you're like, damn, that was awesome. Takashi Shimura. <laughs> right. The fact that he's in it at all, and he's he's such a superb actor. Um, he's uh, uh, the star of probably my favorite Japanese film, uh, Ikuru, uh, Ikuru. Or Oh, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen Ikuru. It's um, it's tremendous, and, and and he stars in it, and I just love him in everything that he does. He could read a, a Japanese recipe book, and I would be enthralled. So <laughs> nice. the fact that he was in this, in even a bit part, nonetheless, he always seems to just earnestly and wholeheartedly sell everything that he's uh, that he does. So it's just always a pleasure seeing him on screen. I believe that when the movie was released in the states, like. It got uh, pretty bad reviews, and one of the things that was said was like none of these Japanese actors could, you know, could do a good job, and they all sucked. And uh, and I think the same reviewer said something like praised Takashi Shimura in uh, in his review of Seven Samurai like years earlier. So I I find it it interesting that the same actor, even though he does a good job, can just be lumped into... Like, an amazing actor like Shimura can be lumped into just, like, the sort of, uh, this is a B movie or C movie and it doesn't even deserve to be watched kind of sentiment just from the film itself, not, not you know, the quality of the film. Well, I don't think the reviewers, especially um, 60 years ago, were making a distinction between the the acting and the the overdubs that they were oh hearing. yes though so I'll completely agree with that completely agree with that um, and I think that is definitely one of the problems that a lot of people when they talk about the acting in these films when you're looking at reviews from from back in the 60s and they they talk about the terrible job that people do I think it's all about the actors and I the voice actors excuse me and I say that when I watch like I don't know, when I watch uh, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, the English dub of it, it's hard for me to gauge how the Japanese actors are doing because I'm, I'm, you know, uh, relating to those those actors specifically because of the voice acting. So Yeah, it's not fair if you're going to, you know, yeah. try to review a movie if you're watching a dubbed version. Well, thank goodness we watched the subtitled version. I'm trying to think. Oh, I know the one thing that I would say that I love the most about this movie is is the Markalite, that gigantic dish, and uh, on the <laughs> on the on the legs with the rockets on it and the the rotating you know radar dishes. To me, that thing is just awesome in and of itself. And then um, 
I think like the first few times I watched this movie, the first two times I watched this movie, I never got a real sense of scale as to how big this those things were until um until I realized I, I don't know, it was it was a few years ago. I was looking at the design and I was like, those feet are essentially tanks. So the size of that thing must be massive. And then this time it said something like six hundred feet in diameter for the dish, right? So mm-hmm. It's just I I love that I think it's awesome that when uh, when the Mogura uh, is digging through the ground and like gets crushed by the by the Markalite. It's just seriously one of my favorite parts of the movie. Speaking of, and, and forgive me for for steering this this way, but the Mogura, yes, because we haven't actually specifically mentioned our opinions on the Kaiju. Okay. We can definitely talk about Mogura. It's probably a good thing for us to get that out of the way. <laughs> um, yeah, so who who liked Mogura by voice, not by hands? Don't show me your hands. Mm. Nobody liked Mogura? Meh. Meh? It was kind of a clunky. Outfit. It's very clunky. And his, you know, his whole wardrobe basically just kind of like a tin roof. You know, to those like, like corrugated yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I think they're supposed to be like tank treads. Like, I think that's what essentially he's, if you look at the design of Mogura, your Martin's looking around, he's actually in that glass case on the third shelf down. And it, that looks better. The, the, uh, the my figure, mod, my the, model, the actual yeah. film version. It looks yeah. like Julia Child, Julia Child in her apron. <laughs> he's got the, uh, the horn rim glasses look and the, he's a very retro look to him. And I, I love the old Mogura, especially compared to the 94 Mogera from Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. I'm just a big fan of the rotating antenna that go beep, beep, beep. And the, I like the glass jaw. My friend, uh, Jim Walsh and I have made many, many references to Mogura's glass jaw. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I know it's goofy that every single part of them is, is essentially built as a, as a big, uh, drilling, boring function. You know, he's got, and I don't mean boring as in like ho hum. I mean boring as in going through the earth. Uh, you know, his nose is a drill. His hands are essentially sort of like claws that, that spin around. His body's made of tank treads. He's got a big giant saw blade on his back. And if you look at his tail, um, his tail is actually a funnel, which it looks like it's, uh, it shoots out, <laughs> it shoots out the dirt, I think, that he's. It's funny because like, they designed all that, but then they didn't really take advantage of it in the film. That's what at, I was just thinking. At, at yeah. all. Right. Well, it uh, was an afterthought. I mean, this is definitely yeah. something that Tomiyuki Tanaka said that. I'm sure I'm going to use my uh, Henry Saperstein voice. It's like, this picture needs a monster. You know, like it's got to, <laughs> it's got to have something to bring that in. And I, I mean, I, you were asking earlier, Adam, if, if, if uh, Kaiju were so popular that he's like, yes, put in a, put in a monster. And I think that the answer is sort of yes, but sort of that, you know, he, he just felt that it needed something extra and maybe, maybe it did. I, who knows what this movie would have been like without the Mogura to bring people in. So I was previously familiar only with the the version from Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. Right. And I do like this having now seen it. I like the 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 original more. Um because the uh the one from Godzilla versus Space Godzilla always seemed I don't know, um childish, uh unthreatening. 
I mean, it's definitely a giant robot mold dude kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and I think I think uh it I think Mogara is actually sort of a derivative of the Japanese word for mole. I'm not really sure about yeah, that. That's but, what I had read it. That's yeah. true. The head actually and, and his awkward clunkiness actually reminds me of those those little um I don't know what they're called. They they're like a bird that's on a lever that dips into the oh, water yeah, yeah, yeah. and comes the, back. Uh, I don't know if those have a name. I just think they're called dipping birds or something like that. But but it seems about as threatening as those things as yeah. well. At least this older version, I I enjoyed. Well, both the retro quality and also, um, I don't know. He just seemed less sterile, um, more a little <laughs> bit more menacing. And and yeah. you actually uh, inadvertently reminded me perhaps uh, of one aspect, which is that beeping noise, that that high pitched mm-hmm. sound that accompanies his uh, his his you know, his presence and, and his advance. And uh, and I actually really like that. That was one of my favorite parts of him. It's good stuff, man. That's what I'm telling you. Like the Mogura, I don't know. I just, I like the Mogura better than, than, uh, than the, the 90s one for sure. The original versus the, the, the space Godzilla opponent. And it is a, of course, the, the Mogura in space Godzilla is a secondary version essentially of, of Mechagodzilla, you know, the, the UNGCC Mechagodzilla. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're getting off track. Let's, uh, let's reel things back in and talk about, uh, let's just move into final thoughts. I mean, uh, Adam, this is, uh, you already said this is, this is a movie that you would show to, uh, kaiju fans. And, um, I, I believe you said people who are interested in classic Japanese science fiction in results here, is this something that you would show somebody if if they hadn't ever seen any let's just say Japanese sci-fi since this technically isn't a kaiju film no i would show it to people who were already familiar with the genre somebody who was trying to one up me on whether or not i had seen <laughs> certain japanese films or certain kaiju films and i'd be like well have you seen the mysterians and they'd say no and i was like oh Man, you're missing out. Me being in the know now and having seen this movie, you really got to see this and then you'll come back and thank me. Uh, otherwise, if I tried to show this to pretty much anyone else I know, they would probably all agree that it was awful. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Martin, since I said your name before Jeff's for some reason, um, I, I, I definitely think this is a movie for uh, the aficionados, the people that really love Japanese cinema, that love kaiju that are really into these things and i think that it is it not even that they would necessarily love it but it would it's kind of like the notch on the belt that you wouldn't get anywhere else so. yeah yeah that's a good point jeff final yeah, thoughts i agree with both of them it, it's for completists you know i mean i wouldn't show this to anybody who's thank never god there's no completists in the room <laughs> yes. yeah, am i right yes and anybody listening to this podcast i'm sure yeah. is a completist as well so yeah um but yeah, I would definitely not show this to anybody who had never seen a, um, you know, kaiju film or Japanese science fiction film. This would come way down the road after you've seen the essentials. Well, yeah, and then yeah. you know, I would I would agree with that. That this is, and I'm I'm pretty happy with where I saw this movie in the lineup of all of the Toho Tokusatsu stuff, because. Like I said, I, I watched all the Godzilla movies and then I was like, okay, now it's time to branch out and see the rest of the stuff. And so I already had that sort of sense of history and really understood like where the genre was going at the time. 
And even I would even say that while that was great for me to see that stuff at the time, it, it's uh, definitely a movie that I have more appreciation for now than I did like 10, 15 years ago. So. And I think you know people who are very familiar with the genre and our completists will find a lot to enjoy about the film. Yeah. All right. Any, anybody else have anything they want to say about this before we move on to user submissions? All right. Well, here's what people had to say. Johnny just watched The Mysterians just a couple of weeks ago, and so this movie is fresh in his mind, and he has to say that this movie is amazingly good. He was disappointed that there was only a little Mogura in it, but what little we had with Mogura was done very well. The story is well done and left him with the excitement of what is going to happen next. The Fukube score to the movie perfectly fits, especially during uh, the final attack against the Mysterians. Johnny was on the edge of his seat, just amazed at what was going on. Toho was done. Toho has done an excellent job at keeping this movie suspenseful and exciting. He was happy to see uh, that they brought in at least two of the cast members from the original Godzilla for leading roles. The Mysterians' costumes were fantastic and original, as well as the design of Mogura. This would be a movie that Johnny would recommend to sci-fi geeks more than kaiju fans because there is less kaiju than he thought there would be for uh, there would be in more sci-fi. Overall, this movie is in his top five non-Godzilla kaiju movies and gives it four and a half alien kaiju robots out of five. Mike Keller of Monster Attack Team magazine was prepared to state that he considers the Mysterians the most overrated of all Toho's special effects extravaganzas. He still has that opinion, but enjoyed it more on this viewing because he got a better impression of the Mysterians as enemies. He doesn't have access to the original dub, but does remember that they really didn't seem all that bad, only wanting three miles of land, or two, uh, and, and a little nookie. Mike, Mike figures that they could have been taught some Earth social skills, gotten some personal weight training, a good tailor, and some Axe deodorant spray, and issues could have been worked out amicably for everyone. Too bad they didn't have Match.com in the 1950s. This time, it was made far more clear that nothing they said could be trusted, and that their motives were more sin- more sinister than they let on. Although, if one of the ladies they wanted happened to be your main squeeze, I'm sure that uh, they would have been sinister enough. The two biggest things that Mysterians has going for it, one, Mogura, a great-looking robot, and possibly uh, the best thing about the film, its design would be the primary inspiration for Turtle King in the classic anime Ninja Science Team Gachaman, a.k.a. Battle of the Planets, which I did not know that that was the actual name of uh, the Gachaman stuff. Ninja Science Team Gatchaman. I thought it was just Gatchaman. Anyway, uh, the first Mogura is gone way too soon and dispensed with too easily. The second is wasted by having a Markalite fall on its head. And then number two was the sets. The interior sets of the Mysterian base are quite excellent. Something that always bugged Mike about this film was the ray beam effects ha- um, have this unsatisfying photo-negative look to them. He wonders if that was a mistake. Uh, you don't see that in any other Toho science fiction films or any sci-fi from any studio, for that matter. Also, it was nice to see Momoko Kochi in what would prove to be her last genre film until Godzilla vs. Destroya. In almost every way, Mike considers Battle in Outer Space to be a superior film to this one. Joe has tried watching The Mysterians a few times now, 
and when he heard it was the next Daikaiju discussion, he forced himself to sit through the movie. Admittedly, he was disappointed. It had some relatively decent potential, but bad special effects, and the storylines were lacking. Um, it had horrendous voice work, and he thinks this will be the only time he ever sits through this movie again. This is a kaiju film, so Joe was somewhat used to bad voice acting and not always the best visual effects. Most likely a product of its time. He will say that he thought the movie started off well, with Mogera, with Mogera making an appearance very soon into the movie, but after that it all goes downhill. The Mysterians are a lame design and executed poorly. Their back history and plot wasn't bad, but it came off horrendous in the film. Possibly the real problem is the voice work. While it was nice to see some, some, some familiar faces in the movie and the first on-screen appearance of Megara, overall, Joe would give this movie one out of five stars and, in his opinion, is the bottom barrel of kaiju films. If it really is even considered a kaiju film, with Megara being in only six minutes of the film, Joe would also not show this movie to a friend or someone looking to see more of the kaiju films. He would recommend it to fans of Godzilla and related films and for them to make their own opinions of the film. Danny's been looking forward to this daikaiju discussion forever. Out of all the non-Godzilla films produced between Godzilla Raids Again and Mothra, which truly began the golden age of kaiju films in Japan, the Mysterians might just be his favorite. The film is pivotal to the history of Toho's monster-slash-sci-fi flicks. Uh, only the fourth film of its kind produced since Godzilla in 1954. We can still see the concepts being refined and fine-tuned. The Mysterians not only continued this refining of ideas from films like Godzilla and Rodan, but introduces a number of new concepts that would become staples of the kaiju genre. The film uh, features the first alien invasion in Toho history, foreshadowing films like Monster Zero, and also introduced a fun fantasy element missing from the previous more horror-like films. When Godzilla and Rodan handled their themes with a somber tone, the Mysterians goes for all-out colorful spectacle, but manages to sneak in the anti-nuclear theme. Danny found the, a, the story of the alien scientific hubris causing the destruction of their world and their genetic heritage to be both ingenious and quite frightening. Despite a few heavy-handed moments, the Mysterians represents the moment when Toho's science fiction films shifted from allegorical tales to all-out entertainment, and this approach succeeded. The production of the film is one of Toho's greatest triumphs. From Honda's directing to Tsuburaya's astounding miniature and optical effects, everything works. Tsuburaya takes his special effects techniques to a whole new level in this film, creating not only flying saucers and the Mysterian Dome, but also the first true mechs, including the Alpha and the Beta, of course the Markalite cannons, which would eventually be refined into mazers in the 1960s. However, special kudos go to the monster maestro uh, Akira Fukube, who created one of his greatest scores ever for the Mysterians. It is one of Danny's personal favorites of all time and represents a shift in his work that reflected the change in, Toho, in tone Toho's films were taking. The actors also deliver amazing performances, and he found it interesting that almost the entire main cast uh, for Rodan, Kenji Sahara, Yumi Shirakawa, and Akihiko Kirata uh, returned for this film. In addition, it was wonderful to see Momoko Kochi return to the kaiju genre and for her to play opposite Hirata again. 
just as she had done in the original Godzilla. The always amazing Takashi Shimura steals his scenes, which can also be said for Haru Nakajima, whose performance as the freaking awesome Mogura is all too brief in the film. In the end, The Mysterian stands as one of Toho's most entertaining films and represents the beginning of the many elements that would shape the genre in the coming decades. Danny would recommend The Mysterians not only to people interested in kaiju, but people interested in good science fiction in general. Brian thinks that the Mysterians' effects are a mixed bag. There is some great miniature work in the city and effects used during the earthquakes and floods are good natural disaster effects. Plus, the optical effects, like laser blasts and such, are good for the time. On the other hand, some of the military unit miniatures are less than amazing, and the Mysterians' costumes are pretty. Although, that can be a good thing if you're watching the movie just to see a fun film from the era. As an aside, Mugera, as well as the Markalite laser cannon, is an enemy in the first Godzilla Nintendo game, and Brian had no clue who Mugera was because, as of yet, he hadn't been in a Godzilla movie. Non-Godzilla Toho films like the Mysterians were hard to come by at the time. He felt it was kind of an odd choice to include a monster Godzilla had never fought, but he was one of the few kaiju that made it into the game despite not interacting with Godzilla. Mysterians definitely is not a must-watch, but it's an amusing addition to the sci-fi alien invasion genre of the time. According to Jamie, this was one interesting movie. He got the dub, unfortunately, but at least it wasn't a chop job like Gigantus the Fire Monster. First off, Jamie loves this era of filmmaking for Toho's kaiju movies. It's always great to see the detail in miniatures as well as hearing Akira Fukube's music lending depth and excitement. It's amazing how good it still looks to see the shots of Mogura in the background rampaging uh, uh, rampaging about in a burning village while soldiers looked on, as well as those beautiful matte paintings. He wants to know how they did certain scenes such as the Mysterian spaceship drilling up from the underground. The Mogura suit here looks pretty darn neat in an old way, but looked really uh, big and bulky. He can only imagine the kind of work that went into giving it the flashing lights and the spinning antenna it was sad to see it go after taking <laughs> it was sad to see it go out after taking a dive into the river when the bridge was blown up though also was it just Jamie or did it look like one firefighter was washing Mogura down in an attempt to stop it during the scene where the firefighters are trying to put out the village it was good to see Kenji Sahara again and his departure at the end to sacrifice himself to stop the Mysterians and save the earth was pretty damn heartfelt that actually was not Kenji Sahara that was a key uh, Akihiko Hirata. This movie ha- also had a lot of action between the Mysterians and the Japanese army, and with Mogura as well, but it was done in such a fashion that the victory at the end by the humans feels very hard won. Jamie can only imagine how much work went into this with all the sparks and fire and explosions. That is a lot of gunpowder on the set. The story did feel a bit lazy. Evil Aliens versus Humanity sounds like one of the many American sci-fi films during the 50s and 60s. In fact, the plot put uh, put him in mind of This Island Earth. Still, Jamie was digging those Mysterian helmets and capes and uh, is either going to make a set or get one for himself and cosplay as one because no one will get the reference. Uh, and there you have it. Those are our Daikaiju Discussion homework submissions. Thank you guys very much for uh, for sending those in. And thank you guys, uh, Martin, Jeff, and Adam, for hanging out and watching the movie with me. And uh, I think we're just going to go ahead and move on to the news. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. 
The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So there's some really cool news uh, that we want to talk about here tonight. And the first thing that we're going to mention is that Legendary Pictures, as many of us know, has, uh, has already started filming. And they started filming in British Columbia. Um, but there's a, there's like a group of fans that was trying to get Akira Takarada in the picture, even if it was just a cameo. And um, for a while, it looked like, you know, there's just no communication whatsoever. But last week, uh, a, a photo was posted on the Legendary Pictures Facebook page and the, I believe, the Godzilla Facebook page, too. And it basically showed uh, director Gareth Edwards hanging out with Akira Takarada. So it's very cool that he actually is in... Uh, a minor cameo in the movie or some sort of cameo in the movie. And it's um, it's really good news for fans because that does really show that they've listened to the fans. And congratulations to the, the Facebook group and the people who behind that um, that movement to get Takarada in that picture. Um, and of course, there have been photos and so forth uh, from the from the production, and I'm sure there's going to be more coming out. And uh, you'll you can see some of that on the on the KaijuCast page, but. I'm going to try and keep it a little bit spoiler-free and uh, not have too much to to share with that. So I want it to be a surprise. Uh, next up, um, G-Fest has updated their, their website for this year's G-Fest 20. Matt Frank has designed a really cool image for the program and t-shirt, including G-Fantas and Mecha G-Fantas as well, uh, with a number of monsters silhouetted in the background. Um, also... We talked last month on the podcast uh, about this, but our friends at Sci-Fi Japan have gotten a press release from Bandai about their upcoming 1964 Mosugoji figure in the SH Monster Arts line. There are some really nice photos, um, and if you're a collector of this line, this figure will be available in G- uh, in July. <laughs> um, and Sci-Fi Japan also has a brand new episode of Sci-Fi Japan TV called Memories of Godzilla, where both Akira Takarada and Ishiro Honda's son, Ryuji, talk about Godzilla and um, the director, Honda, and the impact of the film at the time. Make sure you check out their channel so you get all of their episodes. They're really, really fantastic. And we're going to go over some events, some very important events that are happening throughout the next few months. In April, from the 12th to the 14th, in Burbank, California, Monster Palooza is happening, and Jeff and I are both going to go down there. There's tons of guests but kaiju fans should definitely come out to meet the stars of Ultraman. Um, the, the ones that are coming are Hiroko Sakurai, uh, who played Fuji, Ben Fuyura, who actually was Ultraman. He actually put on the Ultraman costume. And Susumo Kurobe, who actually played Hayata, who is the guy who turned into Ultraman. Plus, there's going to be loads of panels, vendors. It's going to be really awesome. And make sure you keep an eye, if you're down in the area, make sure you keep an eye on the Facebook page, the KaijuCast Facebook page for information on the listener party we're going to have Saturday night. I'm going to post that pretty soon. Uh, on the 27th through the 28th of April is Stumptown Comics Fest here in Portland, and the KaijuCast will be part of the Stumptown Podcasters. Uh, and that means we'll be streaming the in, during the entire event live. So if you can't make it to the show, you can listen to interviews with some of the guests and some of the podcasters talking about the show. It's actually a really cool thing, and I'm, I'm happy to be involved in it. So that's April 27th through the 28th here in Portland, Oregon. Next, uh, The next month, May, from the 24th to, through the 26th on Memorial Day weekend, 
The Northwest's largest horror convention, Crypticon, takes place in Seattle, Washington. We'll be taking part in at least two panels. Uh, again, they've got tons of guests, tons of things going on, so make sure you check that out. On June 22nd, Godzilla returns to the historic Bow Theater in San Leandro, California for Godzilla Night 2. I got to talk with Bob about coming up with a better name for that. I think uh, they're going to be screening Godzilla vs. King Ghidra and Godzilla vs. Mothra. Plus, Robert Scott Field will be Skyping in for a Q&A. Big Pimp Jones will be performing some tracks from Kodoja and some other tunes as well. And I believe the Creepy Coffee uh, guys, Balrock and his crew, are going to be there. And of course, you know, we'll be there as well. And uh, talk about G-Fest uh, just a couple of minutes ago. July 12th through the 14th, G-Fest returns to Chicago with special guests. Godzilla suit maker Shinichi Wakasa. Godzilla suit actor Tom Kitagawa. Robert Scott Field and fan filmmaker Shizuo Nakajima will be there. Um, the Pickwick will also be showing Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, Gamera vs. Gauss, and Gamera 3. Registration is open now, so follow the link in the show notes for that. Uh, and then the next weekend, the 18th through the 21st, it's actually longer than a weekend, of course, is San Diego Comic-Con, which I've been talking about for a while. This is basically the only Comic-Con that can uh, feature awesome Godzilla stuff for the new Legendary Picture movie because it comes out in May of 2014. So the unless that gets pushed back for some reason, this should be the big year at Comic-Con to see Godzilla stuff. So I'm going to be down there and um, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to uh, bring back lots of coverage. Moving on to some housekeeping. Uh, the next film for our lineup for Daikaiju Discussions is the 1958 Daikaiju Varan. The reason I'm using the Japanese title is because we will not be watching the American version of this film. Um, although I've actually never seen it and I kind of want to watch it for fun sometime. We'll be watching the Media Blasters version of the movie. So Japanese with English subtitles is our preferred method for this particular viewing. If you want to send in your thoughts, questions, and reviews for the film, make sure you do so before April 23rd to be included in the next Daikaiju Discussion episode. Um, another thing that I just wanted to throw out there is something I just started this last week here, and I hope I can really continue to do it. Um, every Monday, I will start my day by streaming music from the KaijuCast HQ, and I'm calling it Monster Music Mondays. And um, it's basically going to have a little bit of everything in the playlist, be it soundtracks or trailer audio or uh, audio clips from the movies, music inspired by kaiju films, basically some of the weird stuff that I have, some of the awesome stuff that I have. It should just be a lot of fun. And, you know, who doesn't need a little kaiju pick-me-up on Mondays? The music starts, like I said, when I wake up and uh, basically continues when I until I hit the sack, unless I forget to turn it off and then I'll stop it in the morning. Please do subscribe to the podcast, either on iTunes or the Zune Marketplace, if you use that. Or um, if you're even having trouble with your device, uh, being able to be to subscribe and have the episodes come in automatically, we are now on Stitcher as well. So Stitcher has apps for just about every single device out there. You can download the show or uh, just stream it through their service. It's it's pretty cool. So check that out. Links on the show. Look, look for links on the website to every single one of these things we've talked about. Uh, as well as links to your favorite social media sites. We are on everything that I can pretty much figure out. We've, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. Uh, we also have video channels, both on YouTube and Vimeo. Please, 
please subscribe to those. That would be uh, the best way for you to get that information out. I just posted a video from Wizard World's Portland Comic Con, and we should have some more relatively soon. I think there's like three more videos, and they're all shot. We just have to, I have to edit them all together and uh, get them online. Anyway, we are going to close out the show with two more requests. Um, the first one is from uh, Jake, or for Jake, and it is Soundgarden's FOP dub, because it has some cool audio clips in it from the original Godzilla, or Godzilla King of the Monsters. And then we're following that up with a request from Scott Martin, who wanted to hear the end monologue from... Um, from Raymond Burr's character Steve Martin from Godzilla 1985. We will see you next month when I think we're going to talk to Jeff Zorno about his time at Mad Monster Party, and we very well might introduce a brand new voice to the podcast. Uh, we will see you next month. Jamata.
Nature has a way sometimes of reminding man of just how small he is. She occasionally throws up the terrible offsprings of our pride and carelessness to remind us of how puny we really are in the face of a tornado, an earthquake, or a Godzilla. The reckless ambitions of man are often dwarfed by their dangerous consequences. For now, Godzilla, that strangely innocent and tragic monster, has gone to Earth. Whether he returns or not, or is never again seen by human eyes, the things he has taught us remain. saw the Crypticon back in Ought 9. It was much smaller then. Yeah, these beasts do tend to grow with the years. Even back then, I knew this one was a killer horror convention. The best and only one hot in the Pacific Northwest. It's in the eyes. Those lifeless, black, dead eyes. Where do you think it is now? Oh, it's a coming. It's all a waiting game now. What was that? Did you see that? Crypticon got Tom Savini. I love Tom Savini. And I think I saw Joe Bob Briggs in there, too. Watch now. There, there. I saw Adrian King. I saw it. Crypticon was covered in panels and a writer's contest and a film festival. And right on top, that huge, terrifying makeup contest. That's the part you'll see coming over the ways you will. Here it comes again. I saw Nicholas Brendan and Lou Temple. Josh Stewart, Diane Franklin, Vincent M. Ward, Fred the Hammer Williamson. Crypticon is stuffed to the gills with celebrities this time around. Hey, there's someone out there with a life vest. Oh, that's not a life vest. That's just Cassandra Peterson. You know, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, we're gonna need a bigger dealer's room. Crypticon surfaces May 24th through 26th. Check the website crypticonseattle.com for more information.